0: Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I am pressing on. A dear brother contacted me and made a pledge for this broadcast. He sent me a note. He said, press on, bro. That's what I'm doing. We're still $1,000 short plus of having what needs to be covered for for this month of january that's just passed i'm standing by faith and i'm going to press on i know that the lord can quickly and easily cover all the costs for this radio broadcast one grumbling man called the radio station and said I should get a job and pay for it myself well I have a job a full time job pastoring and teaching it's Jesus who will pay and he'll move in the hearts of of his precious people so that's where we're at I'm going to teach again this week I want to talk to you about something that I've known intellectually, but I've not known in my heart, and I haven't known how to deal with it. So we're going to go down there. Today's broadcast is called Devil Storm. Devil Storm. I'm going to share first with you today John Bunyan. Uh, he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. If you're not acquainted with that wonderful volume, I encourage you to buy one and to carefully read it. Pilgrim's Progress has been recognized as the most influential and beloved book outside of the Bible that was ever published in English. It was published in 1678, John Bunyan spent 12 years in prison because he would not stop talking about Jesus. He insisted on preaching. By trade, he was a tinker, which is a dirty, hard job. It meant going door to door and asking if they had pots or pans that needed to be repaired, and he would repair those bottoms that had burned out or had cracked. He supported his beloved family while he was in prison by making shoestrings, weaving shoestrings by hand. He did all of this for the sake of the gospel. His imprisonment was a devil storm. He knew it. He dealt with it. And he dealt with it by writing this incredible book, this pilgrim's progress. I'm going to share a part of it. John Bunyan writes that Christian who has fled from the city of destruction and in, and is on his way to the celestial city, first comes to the Holy Spirit's house, and there the Holy Spirit begins to teach him what it's going to cost to follow Jesus. And, of course, the first thing that happens to him is he leaves this wonderful place of comfort where the Holy Spirit teaches him is he goes directly into the valley of humiliation. This is part of the test that comes as we are brought into a place of discomfort and pain and anguish, a place where we think we will never survive, where we are utterly humiliated by our failure, by the treatment that others have given us, by the angry words condemning us for what we are doing in jesus calling us fanatics calling us stupid imbeciles chastising us the pharisees are always right there to say see see this is what the scriptures say but they're twisting and they're lying so that they can continue walking in their sin And they use the scriptures to cover over their wickedness. And those who are so treated descend into this valley of humiliation. And sometimes the valley of humiliation is caused by other people's sin, but sometimes it's caused by our own foolishness, by decisions we've made. Now, we're going to cover much of this through this week, maybe all week, but I want to begin by saying that always the devil's storm comes into our life for one reason, to cause us to make decisions that will separate us from Jesus. The devil comes with accusations and with judgments and with a squeeze on the finances. I know what the squeeze on the finances is all about. We're being squeezed. Desperately squeezed. I've never had a month so short as January was financially. But I'm not upset about it because I understand it's a devil's storm. And I'm waiting for it to pass I'm waiting for Jesus to step in, and I know He will. He always delivers me. He always delivers. So, in this devil's storm, I go into the valley of humiliation where I'm not able to meet the demands that I'm expected to meet, where I can't cover what I'm expected to cover, and I'm shamed. And I lift my hands up to Jesus and say, It's okay, Lord. I'm willing to suffer for you. Now, some of you don't think the Christian walk is one of suffering. You live in fantasia, you live in la la land. No, when we come, when we come to Jesus, we will be persecuted for the gospel if we're actually living out the gospel and we will make choices that are wrong we'll make decisions that bring us into a desperate place but sometimes we don't do anything we don't make any decision we don't do anything and the devil just comes and attacks in a storm that's going to sweep us away if we're not anchored in jesus remember in the sermon on the mount Jesus talks about two men, one who built his house on the sand and one who built his house on the rock. The storm always comes. The devil will always attack. The question is, did you build your house on the sand or did you build it on the rock? Intellectual understanding is not enough there has to be a deep heart connection with our lord jesus i tell you today i love jesus i met someone just recently and their testimony to me was i love jesus and i rejoiced at their testimony So we find Christian slipping and sliding down into the valley of humiliation. We don't go down the stairs with style into the valley of humiliation. We slip and slide. We look foolish. Once he was in the valley of humiliation, poor Christian was immediately put to the test He'd not gone very far before he spied a a demon coming over the field to meet him. His name was Apollyon. Christian was afraid. he struggled in his mind to know what he should do. Should he go back or should he stand his ground? As Christian thought about it, he realized that he had no armor for his back and that turning and running would give the enemy an easy target for his darts. Christian decided that standing his ground would give him the best chance of surviving Apollyon's attack. So Christian went forward, and Apollyon met him. Apollyon is another name for the devil. The devil was... Monstrous, he was hideous to behold, he was clothed with scales like a fish. They are representing his pride. He had wings like a dragon, feet like a bear, a belly which came forth with fire and smoke, and the mouth of a lion. And when he had advanced near Christian, he viewed him with a disdainful look and began to question him. Now, the description he's giving us is never the way Satan comes in the physical realm he always comes as an angel of light he came to Eve in the garden as that beautiful being arguing God didn't really mean that and with just I think 58 words, this clever devil had Eve eating out of her, eating out of his hand. But do you remember in the story, the devil did not pick the fruit and give it to her. She had to decide In the midst of the devil's storm, she had to decide whether she would reach out and take that piece of wicked fruit in her hand. And she did. And she ate it. And then she handed it to her husband, and he had to reach out his hand and take that fruit. He knew it was wrong. He reached out his hand, he took it, and he ate the fruit. The devil comes in disguise as an enlightened being. He's ferocious. And he comes to have you make a decision that will be destruction in your life. And some of you today, the Spirit of God has told me, some of you listening today are in the midst of the storm of the devil. You're trying to decide what you're going to do in a certain situation, and you have your options, and they're demonic. They're wicked. Don't do it. I wish that when I was a young man, someone had said to me, be very careful. Be very careful, Ray, what choices you make. Because choices that look innocent will take you down a path that will destroy you and tear your heart. And then will come bitterness and anger and judgments and cynicism. Don't go down that path. Some of you today are trying to decide about a marriage or you're trying to decide about a job. You're being pressed on every side. Your finances are not, are not there in place. You don't know where they're going to come from. You're being pressured. You've got to make a decision. Make it now. Those decisions you have to take into the prayer closet and test them by the spirit of God you test those spirits you test those decisions you don't just make the best decision you can make and shipwreck your life no here's Christian Apollyon is asking him where did you come from where are you going I came from the city of destruction, which is the place of all evil, and I'm going to the city of Zion. By your answer, I perceive that you are one of my subjects, for all that country is mine, and I am the prince and the god of it. How is it that you have run away from your king?" were it not for the fact that i wish you to enter into my service again i would strike you to the ground with one blow indeed i i was born in your dominion but your service is hard and a man cannot live on the wages you pay for the wages of sin is death therefore when I grew into a greater understanding I did as other thoughtful persons have done I searched to see if there was a way to make myself into the person I should be to that Apollyon protested there's no prince who will so easily lose his subjects nor will I lose you but since you complained about your service and your wages be content to go back What our country can afford, I promise, to give you. The Christian boldly proclaimed, But I've given myself to another, even to the king of princes, so how can I in fairness go back to you? Ah, the proverb says, you've changed a bad for a worse, Apollyon said. But it's very common for those who have professed themselves his servants to give him the slip after a while and return to me and if you return to me everything will be well for you i have given him my faith i have sworn my allegiance to him how can i change my mind now without being hanged as a traitor well you did the same to me and yet i'm willing to let it pass if you will now turn and come back with me, Christian replied. What I promised you was done in ignorance, and besides, I believe that the prince under whose banner I now stand is able to forgive me, to pardon me from all those things I did while in your service besides oh you destroying apollyon to speak the truth i like his service i like his wages i like his servants his government his company i like his country better than yours you can stop trying to persuade me otherwise i am his servant and i will follow him apollyon then boldly stated Consider again, when you've cooled down, what you are likely to meet up with on the way you have chosen. You know that for the most part his servants come to an ill end, because they are transgressors against me and my ways. Think how many of them have been put to shameful deaths. Besides, You count his service better than mine, and yet he has never come out of the place where he dwells to deliver from my hands those who served him. But as for me, how many times, as the whole world very well knows, I have delivered from him and his his fraud. Those who have faithfully served me, I honor. Likewise, I will deliver you. His present restraint not to deliver them is for the purpose of testing their love to see if they will cling to him to the end, Christian asserted. As for the ill end you say they come to, that just adds to their glory on their account. For they do not expect deliverance now and will endure all life's trials, knowing it adds to their glory and eternal life when their prince comes in and his heavenly glorious angels. You have been unfaithful to your service to him, so why do you think he will? Rec- you will receive wages from him? Oh, how, Apollyon, have I been unfaithful to him, Well, you almost fainted when you first set out. You almost choked in the swamp of Despond. You also attempted to get rid of your burden in the wrong way. Instead of patiently waiting for the prince to take it off, you simply slept and lost your scroll. You were almost persuaded to go back at the sight of the lions. And when you talk of your journey of what you've heard and seen, you inwardly desire your own glory in all you do and say. All of this is true and much more that you failed to mention, Christian agreed. But the prince whom I now serve and honor is merciful and he is ready to forgive and to cleanse. Besides, these infirmities possessed me while I was in your country for there I allowed them to come in. But I have groaned under them and have been sorry for them and I have obtained full pardon from my prince. Apollyon then broke into a hideous rage, shrieking, I am an enemy to this prince. I hate his person. I hate his laws. I hate his people. I have purposely come here to stop you. Apollyon, beware of what you do, for I am in the king's highway. I am in the way of holiness. Therefore take heed to yourself. Then Napoleon straddled himself over the whole breadth of the way and countered, I am void of fear in this matter. Prepare to breathe your last, for I swear by my infernal den that you will go no further. Here I will spill your soul. And with that he threw a flaming dart at Christian's breast. But Christian had a shield in his hand by which he averted it and its danger. And then Christian drew his sword. What I want you to hear as I share this battle with you is that you've been through this battle many times and you may not have even realized you were in the battle with the devil. And you made wrong choices and you made wrong decisions. And you now feel cursed. Some of you may, precious women, you may have had an abortion. And now you have a guilty conscience, and you know you murdered a baby. I'm here to tell you today Jesus can forgive you of that if you will repent and turn. He will receive you. Some of you have made decisions that instead of turning to Jesus, you would turn to drugs, alcohol, opiates. There is no comfort in these. Some of you have turned to the Super Bowl and filled your heart and your mind with the wickedness of the halftime show where no Christian should have been. I was not there. I was not watching. But I've read the stories of others who were there, the sexualization, the wicked music, the ungodliness and children there watching there used to be a day in America when there was a sense of morality where there was a sense of right and wrong where there was a sense of this is wickedness I turn away from it but no now preacher you're out of touch with modern times oh yes I don't want to be in touch with modern times I want to be in touch with Jesus time tell me if you watched the Super Bowl what did you gain did it bring you closer to Jesus as you figured out your gambling and you either lost or made money, did it bring you closer to Jesus? Did your friendship in the midst of that inspire you to greatness? Did it inspire you to to press on with Jesus? Did it inspire you to stand against the devil? Or did it just sweep you away, numb you down, dumb you down, You have to judge. I can't judge for you. This is a devil storm. The Super Bowl is a devil storm. The television constantly brings the devil storm into our homes, not into mine because the Lord told me to get rid of it. I don't have a television. I don't go down those roads. I can't. I die if I go down those roads some of you have been swept away with lust lust for food lust for for sex some of you are ashamed of yourself Don't comfort yourself by going deeper with the devil. Turn and fight the battle and get to Jesus and let him heal your soul and forgive you. I was with a group of people yesterday and I asked the question of them, what has Jesus done for you? What would you like to see about Jesus and some of the people said I have nothing to say do you realize when Jesus was being crucified when the crowd was all standing around crucify him, crucify him, crucify him there were many people in that crowd who had been healed by Jesus and they weren't shouting crucify him they weren't saying anything To say nothing is the same as to say, crucify him. I always have a testimony ready to share about the wondrous, glorious Jesus I serve and his great love for me and the mercy and compassion he's shown me. For I recognize in my engagements with the devil many times he swept me away and had Jesus not come and rescued me I would be gone I wouldn't be on this radio calling you to Jesus if it were not for his wondrous mercy and grace his kindness to me his unfailing love awesome I praise his name today do you have a testimony to share about Jesus? If I opened up the phone lines today and asked, who would like to call and share a testimony about Jesus, would the lines jam? I've done that many times, and, and no, no one calls. I talked yesterday about a counselor that I was working with in training, And he came and put his hand over my mouth and just held me there in the middle of a group that was talking, and I couldn't speak. And I finally began to fight with him to get that hand off my mouth. He said, whose hand is over your mouth, Ray? And I recognized that my dad, for all my love for him, used to say to me, Ray, if you don't talk, no one will know you're stupid. So just keep your mouth shut and listen. Well, there is some truth in what he said, but it was also completely wrong. When you go down into the valley of humiliation and the devil comes after you and fights with all his his powers, all of his demon power against you and tries to destroy you, That's the time to lift up your voice and proclaim Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, not you, devil. So Christian draws his sword, and you know in the scriptures, I'll share with you later what the sword is. It's the word of God, the promises of God. We enter into the divine nature of God by his promises, Second Peter Apollyon quickly advanced on Christian, throwing darts as thick as hail. Christian did all he could to avoid being struck, yet he could not prevent Apollyon from wounding him in his head and his hand and his foot. Oh, how true that is! As the devil' storm comes, He hits us in the head, and our thinking is messed up. He hits us in the hand, and we can't, we can't reach out and grasp the word of God as we need to. He hits us in the foot so we can't walk to get help. These wounds cause Christian to falter and Apollyon advanced even more. And finally, Christian found new courage and resisted as manfully as he could. This mortal combat lasted above half a day until Christian grew weaker and weaker because of his many wounds. This devil storm may last for a week or a month or a year. Usually it's much shorter in duration. Usually it's a day or a week. I had a devil storm some years ago. I was driving an old VW. It was one of those convertibles and it was a ragtop and the top was in rags. My daughter wanted the car and I needed a new car so I went to the Acura dealership and began to look at the Acuras and there I fell in love with a beautiful red Acura coupe with gray leather interior the price tag was $30,000 I didn't have $30,000 so every few days I'd drop by and see if that car was still there, talk with the salesman and He'd try to convince me. But finally, in this devil storm of lust for a new car, I made a deal with the devil. And I purchased the car for $20,000. And I comforted myself that I had negotiated a very good price a very long and difficult negotiation and I felt good about it and I drove out of there in my new red Acura coupe with my gray leather interior and my sunroof with a with a five year mortgage on it and year after year I made my payments And Jesus used that as a whip on my back and said to me, never go in debt again when you buy a car. In fact, don't go in debt for anything again. Like credit cards or a car. A house is different because you can sell the house. It's an asset. But a car is not an asset. It's a liability. And credit cards are not assets. They're liabilities. I was finally swept away by that lust for the new car. And I paid a very heavy price for that. I spent much time in the prayer closet, praying for the money, working hard just to make the payment. Some of you are feeling the lash of a new car on your back as you went through the same storm with the devil and you succumbed. You made the decision. I'm going to emphasize over and over this week, it is the decision that the devil wants to box us into making with our emotions with our circumstances he wants to box us into making a decision for his kingdom so Christian is fighting that he would not succumb he keeps moving closer Apollyon finally grabs him and throws him to the ground His sword flies out of his hand and Apollyon says, I have you now. He fell on Christian and almost crushed him to death. And Christian began to despair of his life. Remember, all of this is taking place in the valley of humiliation. That's where the battles take place. But as Jesus would have it, when Apollyon lifted himself up to deliver his last blow to Christian to make a full end of this good man, Christian stretched out his hand for his sword and found it. He grabbed it up, and he shouted, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy! When I fall, I shall rise back up! And with that, Christian gave Apollyon a deadly thrust which made him fall back as one who had received a mortal wound. Christian, seeing his advantage, thrust his sword at him again, saying, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. When he heard these words, Apollyon spread out his dragon wings and flew away. And Christians saw him no more. During this entire battle that I saw, this is Bunyan writing, and heard in my dreams the yelling and the hideous roarings from Apollyon, it was like the voice of a dragon. Nor can the intensity of the sighs and the groans that issued from Christian be fully described. Christian fought with such vigor that his countenance never once relaxed its grim expression until he perceived that he had wounded Apollyon with his two-edged sword. Only then did Christian smile and look upward. But until that point, it was the most dreadful and fierce fight I'd ever witnessed. And when the battle was over, Christian said, I give thanks to him who delivered me out of the mouth of the lion to him who helped me against Apollyon. And so Christian rejoiced in song. I love that story because it's it's so true to what actually goes on in the battle. And I'm very concerned today about many of you. I know you're caught right in the midst of the battle. I know America, I know our Congress right now is caught in the middle of a devil, devil war. A devil war. America is in a desperate place. And today I'm going to take time to pray as final arguments are made in the impeachment trial. I'm going to pray. But I also want to pray for you. Some of you are in a very, very difficult place because you don't know which way to turn. Some of you are very angry and very cynical. I want to pray for you. But I rejoice today because some of you are standing firm in Jesus. The sword of the Spirit is in your hand. Your shield is in place. Your breastplate of righteousness protecting your heart. And you know that all things are possible to him who will just believe in Jesus and trust him. Some of you are going through a devil storm. But you're of good cheer because you know Jesus loves you and you know you're on your way to heaven and you're helping with the work of the gospel. I'm very grateful for you. I could name many of you, Tom, Leslie. I could go right on down the name and name many of you. How? Because I know you stand with me with this broadcast, or I wouldn't be on the air. It is the work of Jesus to draw men and women safely out of this desperate battle for their soul with the, to make restitution to walk in righteousness, to be made holy and pure. Well, let's pray. And by the way, I'm Pastor Ray, King of kings and Lord of lords, my Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done as it is done in heaven. Lord, come and and rule. Lord Jesus, come and rule over your church and over your kingdom, defeating the enemy on every hand, Lord. Lord, today I pray. I pray first for our government. I pray for our congressmen and our senators. I pray for our president. Lord, we've been through such and are are still in such a turmoil and such a conflict with America divided. Lord, wickedness has poured forth in America like a vile stream of sewage. It's even filled in the sporting arena. It's filled in the literature and the movies. It's filled in the workplace it's filled in our schools lord that vile filth will soon cover the land i'm asking jesus that you would give the leaders of our nation the gift of repentance and humility of heart i ask lord for the victory of the cross over America. I ask for the victory, Jesus, your victory over America. I ask you to send a tsunami of righteousness and holiness, Holy Spirit power over this nation. And we will praise you and thank you and honor you, Jesus glory 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 to the name of jesus the name that is above every other name i love you my lord i love you jesus lord i lift before you those today who are so bitter and so angry and so cynical they're caught in the midst of the war they've been pierced through with apollyon's darts Lord, I ask that you would come and rescue right now every person listening to this broadcast who is angry and cynical and hurting. I ask for the peace and the joy of the Holy Spirit to come upon them as you convict them of what they have done wrong. Give them the gift of repentance, Lord, to turn in humility and weep before you, to kneel at the cross. O Lord, Come with, come with your mighty power and deliver your people. And Lord, I pray for those today who are in the midst of the battle and they don't know which way to turn. Lord, cause them to turn right now to you and to cry out to you and to ask you for wisdom and direction to bring people into their lives that can stand with them. And when they begin to fall, pick them up and head them toward the cross. And Lord, I pray today for those who are followers of yours who've been faithful before you, who love you, And whose only desire is to serve you. Lord, I pray for them that you will increase their courage and their strength, their their understanding. Lord, would you allow the Holy Spirit to come in power upon them and baptize them right now in the name of Jesus, healing their diseases, healing their sicknesses, restoring them. Almighty God, wipe away their tears and encourage their heart. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, we're almost out of time for this broadcast today. I'm so grateful you've joined me and listened and prayed. Please pray continually for what's happening in our government. Pray also that the Lord will stop this evil sewage that is sweeping across our nation. That he will strengthen the churches and the pastors and the people. I am desperately concerned for for the children, for the babies, for the unborn, for the persecuted cry out to jesus he is our only savior i'd like to hear from you i need to hear from you but only as according to the lord's will if you can make a pledge would you quickly call 877-534-0780 that number again is 877 534 Zero seven eight zero. we are still more than a thousand dollars short of what we need to cover i'm trusting jesus will move in someone's heart in your heart and that you will call now you can go online and it's nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com you can give online you can also write to me at the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 that's the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia two. I pray this has been a time of refreshing for your soul and a time of gaining insight and understanding into the devil's tactic to destroy you. The devil's storm cannot sweep you away if you are anchored in the rock Jesus. If you know him and obey him And walk faithfully with him. But he'll try. Stand though the heavens fall. Press on brother. Press on sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.